We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the original Guardians of the Galaxy, Men in Black. What a misleading way to phrase that. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, we are reviewing the uh, 1997 Men in Black, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld and... Starring, uh, I was just about to give them their uh, their agent names. I almost said Mr. Jones and Mr. Smith. Uh, no, by Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Uh, and uh, I this I am so excited to review this movie. This was one of my favorite movies that I watched growing up. Like like Honey I Shrunk the Kids for you. This is that movie for me. Like I mm. watched this movie. So much. And this movie was my introduction to Will Smith. Um, I didn't watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a ton growing up. Um, it wasn't until like my later years I was like watching it on reruns. Uh, but f- this movie was my introduction to Will Smith. This is the one. I, I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> it was your match made in television movie heaven. Indeed. But we're going to start this uh, review out like we always do with... Some history and backstory to this movie. Um, first time realizing this, Men in Black is a sci-fi fiction action comedy film based on the comic book series of the same title that exists in the Marvel Universe. So buckle up. We're going to have some amazing headcanon later on. Mm. Um, but the comic book is basically about the same uh, premise of the movie, which is there is a, a secret organization uh, known as the Men in Black uh, that dress in black suits and kind of secretly take care of alien conspiracies. Um, for those of you uh, Whovians out there, think Torchwood, uh, but uh, more of a strict dress code. And uh, so it's. The policies of Torchwood with the wardrobe of the silence. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, exactly that. Oh, man. So that has been this uh, Whovian moment brought to you in part by uh, us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't realize this is based off of a comic book series. Um, and it's it's one of those secret comic book movies that not a lot of people know about. Um, but the movie... Um, basically this guy saw a black car driving by and his friend said, oh yeah, that looks like something the men in black would drive. And then he said, tell me more about what you're saying. And then basically they made this movie. It was released summer, July 2nd of 1997, making this movie 20 years old, Grayson. Wow. 20 years old. Um, it seems like just yesterday that my parents wouldn't let me see it in theaters. <laughs> oh, that, that's right, because this is your first time seeing it, right? First time seeing it. Apparently, if my parents deemed that a movie was not appropriate for me at, like, age seven, I just never saw the movie. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that happening. <laughs> no, my parents, I mean, my parents let me watch this movie a surprising amount of times. Uh, I still have the VHS that I watched tirelessly. Um, and it's it's just, it's still fantastic. Um, but when the movie was released, it grossed over $589 million worldwide on a $90 million budget, becoming the year's third highest grossing film, um, an estimated selling 54 million tickets. Now, I'm not an accountant, but <laughs> that seems like a high number. Like, it did pretty well. Yeah, it did crazy well. In fact, Men in Black is the highest grossing action buddy comedy of all time, beating out Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour 2 almost beat Men in Black um, in 2001, uh, but with a gross of $250 million nationwide, um, no one has beat that. Like, as far as buddy cop comedies go, it hasn't beat it. Even 22 Jump Street is third. 
hmm. and Men in Black Two and Men in Black Three um, rank fourth and fifth on the list. So that makes sense. Why, when all of those Sony leaks came out, why they're looking at possibly doing a mashup? <laughs> it's just a money printing machine. Yep. Wait, if we take the number one and number three, then we get millions of dollars. MIB twenty three. <laughs> Oh, yes. And, yeah, so the movie did crazy well. It even spun off an animated series uh, that I loved watching. It showed up on the Kids WB um, and basically is the same premise of the movie, except Agent J and Agent K are partners throughout the series. Um, And it was a really fun show. If you actually want to watch it, you can watch it online for... Um, via our sponsor, it's not a sponsor. Um, Crackle, uh, Crackle is the Sony-owned streaming service. Uh, one of the very few that are like free. Uh, they just play a ton of ads, but it's it's a good time. So if you want to watch the classic Men in Black animated series, you can watch so on Crackle. Um, check your local internet for its availability. <laughs> So the movie also spawned uh, two sequels, Men in Black 2, which was released in 2002, and then Men in Black 3, released 10 years later in 2012. Um, and a reboot of the film has been in discussions, as we've talked about with the MIB 23, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that is that. So that's the uh, kind of the history of it. The production of it is vast and complicated. Uh, but I'll give you guys just uh, an abridged version of it. Uh, they got uh, Barry Sonnefeld. Um, and I'm not saying it. I'm not missaying Seinfeld. Um, it's Sonnenfeld. You're not missaying miss Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Barry Sonnefeld. <laughs> Uh, Ricky, if it's Jerry Seinfeld, I'm sure he wants to know that it's him. Um, sounds like Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, <laughs> no, Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, he's the director, um, and he was the uh, director for The Addams Family, as well as Addams Family Values. Oh, hey, that makes a lot of sense with the casting then, because that big, tall, bald alien, that was Lurch. That was Lurch! Mm. Amazing. Look at that. That's awesome. There you go. Um, and the cast um, is amazing. So in addition to having Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, you have Linda uh, Fiorant Forento. Spelled like it sounds. And Vincent D'Onofrio. Let's talk about this. Mm. Do you know who that is? Oh, that's straight up Kingpin. That's Kingpin. That wrinkled my brain. Because mm. I, I said Vincent D'Onofrio. I was like, why do I know that name? And then I looked it up. I was like, Kingpin? That's an amazing performance. Dude straight up became an alien. Like, just throughout the movie, it just got worse and worse. And it was so good. The makeup was so amazing. But, yeah, we'll geek out about that in a couple of minutes. Um, Rip Torn. um, Tony Shalhoub from Monk fame. He played Jeebs. uh, And I I didn't recognize any of them, except for Rip Torn. Uh, I did not recognize Vincent D'Onofrio or Tony Shalhoub at all when I was watching the film. I was just like, okay, great. So these are just people who were in the movies in the 90s. And then I re-look at it, I was like, oh my goodness. Amazing. Yep. Chameleons. That makes this the second Tony Shalhoub film that we have reviewed on the podcast. Oh, what's the first? First one was Galaxy Quest. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, oh, man, that guy sure has a thing for aliens. Well, it's probably like the 20th Vincent D'Onofrio film we've done because (laughs) that guy is a chameleon. Yeah, he could have been in every movie and we would not have known. If you ever want to just have that moment of, he was in that? Who was he? Just look at Vincent D'Onofrio's IMDb page. Yep. With such hits like Magnificent Seven. And Jurassic World. That's right. He was in Jurassic World. Yeah. Law and Order Criminal Intent. Oh, my gosh. He was in the series as a voice as well. Like, apparently they brought back the Bug character, Edwin Bug, uh, oh. for the animated series. Wait. The guy's name was Edwin Bug? <laughs> yes. Well, good, well, no, I take that. lucky. <laughs> Sorry. Edwin. Edgar. So... His character's name was Edgar, but Edgar Bud, yeah. 
I thought he was a farmer named Edgar Bug who just <laughs> lived on a farm. And then this bug-based alien crashed on his land and took over his body. And it's like, oh, man, that guy was asking for it. <laughs> You'll never be anything more than a bug, as she yells as he leaves. And yeah. then... It's like, too bad his name wasn't, like, Edgar Billionaire. <laughs> yeah, because when that happens, they just hand you a check, and then everything is easy, Street. <laughs> and then you have, like, cash coming out of your sleeves instead of cockroaches. Right. And people respond entirely differently. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, Will Smith was cast because Barry Sonnenfeld's uh, wife was a huge fan of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and uh, the documentary that I watched on the deluxe edition of Men in Black said brag, that brag, brag. Uh, yeah, he uh, his wife was reading the script and she just sh- stood up and sh- shouted Will Smith, and so. Steven Spielberg called Will Smith up and said, hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. I want you to be in this movie, which also, this is an Amblin picture. How do we keep on reviewing Amblin movies and not know it? Because they're everywhere. They are everywhere. I did not realize that this was a Spielberg joint. Like, that's amazing. I was at Universal Studios over the weekend. Brag. Just... I think we become so desensitized to Amblin because it's so pervasive. Like, it's just infused in our culture. We're like, oh, that is. Yeah, Spielberg did that. Oh, and he did this. And just standing in line, it was like poster after poster. And you're like, Steven, you, you've done so much. How can one life make so much art yeah. and other films? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, to just see just all the things like I didn't realize like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, this, um, every other Hamblin picture. Uh, but yeah, it was fantastic uh, just to realize that. And uh, and that's enough of me babbling along. Oh no, I take that back. It is not enough of the babbling. <laughs> there needs to be more. Um, so I know this movie more. Due to the amazing song that was released and tie in with the movie that Will Smith made, appropriately called Men in Black, uh, it became synonymous with uh, Men in Black so much so that it was called the Men in Black theme song, even though it only plays like at the very, very end of the movie. Uh, but this song um, is featured on the film soundtrack and Will Smith's debut solo album, Big Willie Style. And it's his first uh, most successful single. Um, It was his first single to be released um, on his new solo album, and he won a Grammy for Best Rap Solo Performance and made him a bona fide double threat movie star and rapper. And that's why for Wild Wild West, even though it didn't do as well, um, he produce a song there because he's just like well let's see if lightning can strike twice mm. i can't remember if he did the theme song to seven pounds <laughs> but i want to say yes he only did a soundtrack to one other uh movie and that was uh men in black 2 and the song mm. was black suits coming uh, for huh. uh men in black 3 pitbull was the artist of choice because uh, I think Will Smith had officially retired from rapping, which I knew was going to be uh, not as good. And it wasn't, I can't even tell you what that song was, but I mean, no offense to you, Pitbull, because I know you're an active listener, but uh, mm-hmm. I prefer me some Will Smith. Um, and the movie, um, if you want to get an immersive experience of Men in Black, head on over to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, where Nickelodeon and all that used to be recorded in front of a live studio audience. Um, Men in Black Alien Attack replaced the Back to the Future 3 locomotive display. Um, and Will Smith and Rip Torn filmed a short video and supplied their voices, which play as the writers use laser guns to shoot animatronic aliens. Very similar to uh, that scenario where Will Smith uh, shot little Susie, who was reading Quantum Mechanics. It's like your childhood beat up my childhood and stole its <laughs> lunch money. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> it's like when I was at Universal Studios this past weekend... <laughs> 
I wanted to go see the Back to the Future ride uh, and then realized that the Simpsons had taken over all of the Back to the Future stuff. Uh, funnily enough, the Simpsons was also something I wasn't allowed to watch when I was a kid. <laughs> so you avoided the ride altogether. So just, I feel like Back to the Future has been overwritten with all of this uh, IP that my parents did not approve of. That's <laughs> all right. It'll all be made right when I build my Back to the Future theme park that is only Back to the Future and nothing else. <laughs> it will be e- located in my backyard <laughs> and called Backyard to the Future. <laughs> oh, yes. I would. Listen, Grayson, you you start that Kickstarter and I will be there. Oh, man. Amazing. Uh, let's go ahead and go into our reactions. Uh, so um, I'll take the lead on this one since I know that you, this was your first time seeing the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I saw it was, I, wa- I want to say I saw it on VHS. I don't think I saw it in theaters. But I have a distinct memory of like re-watching this movie for like the umpteenth time. Um, and the cool thing about the VHS is that, um, at the end of the VHS, because VHSs didn't have like special features or menus or things, they, they would just put content after the credits. So you would have to watch the movie all the way through and then fast forward through a whole bunch of static. And then you would watch (laughs) any extra features that they had. And at the end of this VHS was the men in black, uh, music video. And it was just the absolute best little nugget of uh, of just uh, I just I just have like such a distinct memory of that happening. I don't know what it was about that movie, but I loved it, and I was terrified of scary things. Like I don't know like why I would watch that bug monster person just rip his skin off and be okay with that because I I was <laughs> I watched mm. it over and over again. Uh, and I had so many parts of this movie still memorized. Like, uh, eat me! Eat me! And then he eats them. I was just like, I remember that. Um, and then just I the whole time I was just like watching uh, my wife react to the different aliens that would show up. Like uh, like when uh, Frank the Pug was an alien, I was just like, eh, he's, he's a, he's a. Uh, and it was, it was just like those little scenes were so great because it, it felt like... Um, it almost felt like watching Michael Caine's performance in the Muppet Christmas Carol, like taking like taking a very mm. serious actor, um, like Tommy Lee Jones, and just putting him in these ridiculous situations. And his seriousness is just so perfect. It was like it was amazing. Uh, but I love this movie so so much, and it's it was one of my childhood favorites. And uh, so that's what, that's what I remember. The thing that I didn't catch. Um, this time, because I was actually expecting to catch way more than I did, um, but the main thing that I, I caught was something that I wish a movie would take more time to like build out. But like space politics, you know, if there's only just a movie that just spent the first I don't know hour just focusing on space politics, I feel like that would be what people really want mm. uh, but yeah the space politics of just like what was happening because as a kid i remember thinking okay great so the whole orion's belt thing that that whole twist i was like i remember that being like one of the biggest plot twists ever as a kid it's just like it's the cat the cat has the thing um but i i didn't realize that the the motivation of the roach was looking to cause war so that it could him and his like relatives could just feed off of destruction. It's just like, yeah, roaches feed off destruction and they just want to cause chaos so that they can have limitless supplies and move on to another planet kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh I thought that that was uh really cool to just see more and more just like why he was motivated to do that. But yeah. Those are the things that I noticed. Yeah. Oh, and also the whole concept of uh, Men in Black being like a alien Ellis Island, just like uh, how how the organization works. How they're just like, listen, we just we like monitor and handle you know alien police, um, law and order, MIB, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which 
is something that needs to be listen netflix you're doing great with all the marvel netflix shows marvel men in black i got some casting listen to the end you're gonna love it but yeah uh i think that that would be great so yeah this was my first time to see the movie and i was watching it mostly just being like i get it like this is great i can see how this would be super fun as a kid and why people would like grow up with it and why they would make three movies because i haven't seen two and three this movie made me want to see two and three um i haven't seen them yet but knowing the the premise behind those following movies i feel like this one is a good foundation for that um so i was able to appreciate that the thing about orion's belt already spoiled for me totally knew that it was that little collar thing um i had also realized i have seen straight up watched with my eyes the last two minutes of this movie so i (laughs) knew the whole thing was like in a marble dang it well (laughs) really lowers the stakes for me personally um so there were things like that that i probably didn't get to reveal in the same way but it didn't take away from the performances like Tommy Lee Jones, uh, I think you're you're exactly right about how he's able to play it uh, super stoic and straight, but he's also able to be um, like he laughs, like he enjoys the antics of Jay, and uh, you get that feeling that they probably weren't that different at some point. I know in later movies you see him younger uh, with like Josh Brolin, another Marvel figure in two ways actually. Because uh, he's Thanos and he's Cable. Good for you, Josh Brolin. Not bad for a Goonie. Um, and so we're able to kind of explore um, those personalities in a really fun way. Um, and it was very similar to like the Rush Hour dynamic, where you have someone who does things by the book, company man, just go with it. Um, and then uh, you have kind of the, the guy that goes rogue, but is still loosely tied to the system. So he has... Uh, special skills, if you will. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to to see two and three eventually, and uh, maybe four if MIB 23 ever comes out. But then yeah. I'd have to watch the Jump Street movies, which I have not done. Yeah, I think two is two and th- I think two is probably my favorite. Um, next to one, because one is just always holds a special place in my heart. Because unlike um most franchises like i don't think it it never started out to be a franchise that's one of the things that's good so that always helps i think yeah because they're they're trying to tell a whole story um in one movie and not just like tease a whole bunch of future stuff but the second Mm -hmm. one is really compelling and then the third one it's it's not that it's not as compelling but um i think just enough time had passed that i wasn't as connected to it um but I think, mm. yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, and it's it's fun. Especially, I think the second one just has more fun moments. Because um, they really play on the whole concept of uh, the people who are in our world who are aliens. Just like how they're like, just like, oh yeah, these are all people who are aliens. Like Al Roker. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, Al Roker, Danny DeVito, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Newt Greenridge, uh, Chloe Sonnenfeld, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, all those people are to be aliens, which this man, you, if you ever just want to look for a movie that has just all the headcanon that you could ever handle, uh, <laughs> look no further, my friend, cause they, it's ripe. It's ripe. Um, but yeah, man, I just I just loved watching this movie. It's just so much fun watching Will Smith perform. Like anytime he was just like a bad mouthing so he said, "I uh, actually like when he was trying to give that woman a story, he's like he flashed a neuralizer and he said, "Actually, um in fact, you're too good for him and you kicked him out." So, you know, go down, go to Nordstrom's, get yourself a dress and then hire in interior decorator coming here because damn <laughs> he just, <laughs> just loved any single anytime he had like something to say i just loved it just like because he's really really uh good at you know just being will smith it's just he just delivers every single time like when he was like 
chasing that alien on foot. It was just so fun to watch because he does a lot of his own stunts. Um, and I think that oh, yeah? that makes him a really fun action star. Yeah, so like when you see him getting like beat by um, his different aliens, like that was actually a lot of the shots that had like his face in it. Like he's getting like yanked back. Like I'm looking at these extra features and he's like being pulled back by like, these harness and everything. So he's doing a lot of these stunts, and I know he has his stunt doubles to do some of the more heavier ones, like being thrown physically into a car. But like he'll do a lot of the takeoffs kind of mm. thing, which I thought was really, really cool. The movie, uh, just a side little fun fact, is uh, the there's a site called Bad Astronomy, um, famed for bashing science fiction movies such as Armageddon. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. Such as Armageddon uh, in 1998. Uh, about their science blunders, uh, the site Bad Astronomy actually praised Men in Black for being comedic yet surprisingly accurate when it comes to astronomy facts. Oh. Yeah. It's like a funny interstellar. (laughs) Oh, I don't think that that sentence has ever been said. Congratulations. (laughs) And a last little kind of fun fact I'll add in there is that um, when Kay... Reveals that there are about 1,500 aliens on Earth, and most of them are in Manhattan just trying to make a living. James makes his comment, cab drivers? Um, and that's actually a reference to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, where oh. yeah, where the archivist, Ford, Perfect's entry into the guide hints that driving a cab is a good way to make a living for aliens visiting New York City. Um so that's all I have for my reaction so far. Do you have anything else you want to add? I was like, what? Then I was like, ha. and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, all right. Those are my reactions. That's great. Solid reactions. <laughs> uh, oh, fun fact. If you do have the deluxe edition of the men in black DVD, we uh, get feature- it. <laughs> I have the deluxe edition. It's no big deal. It comes with your own neuralizer. I have it framed over my mantle, which hangs over my fireplace. If I had a fireplace. So, oh yeah, on that extra feature DVD, they have um, a really interesting thing that I think is really fun to note. Because before the internet database was a widely used tool, um, they would used to put things like character bios on DVDs. Um, And so the fact that uh, the director directed Adam's Family was everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And several actors, like Vincent D'Onofrio was like a new, like a new talent. It was like a playbill. It was like a, a actor description playbill kind of thing on the DVD, just for just a little section called like meet the actors. Like if you want to know who these actors are, Here's some facts about them. Uh, and I just thought that was really interesting to be reminded that, like, oh, yeah, that's right. This was, like, a common thing on, like, super deluxe DVDs because, you know, the internet wasn't as internet-y as it is today. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. I think you're right. <laughs> you're right. The internet has gotten a lot more internet-y in the <laughs> recent times. Oh, man. And now it's time to... <laughs> I don't know. No, that's hard to convey visually. I was going to convey. Uh, Ricky acted like he was putting on sunglasses. (laughs) I'm going to help out. That's what that sound effect intimated. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Now we're going to go into headcanon. Thank you, Grayson, for your help. (laughs) Sure thing. Headcanon is the part of the show where we share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, Now, like I said before, um, Men in Black is a comic book that exists inside of the Marvel Universe. Um, One thing about the comic that is really interesting is that um, the... The Men in Black were, um, it was a more serious kind of tone. Uh, it wasn't really funny at all, um, but it was much darker and drier than uh, the film. And the comic, The Men in Black, uh, surveyed not only extraterrestrial activity, but paranormal and supernatural activity on Earth as well. Um, mm. And 
my headcanon largely has to do with the involvement of the Men in Black and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. So, in the movie, they talked a little bit about how um, they weren't government-funded. They were not government-funded, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Agent J says, like, oh, well, how you guys, you know, pay for everything? He's like, oh, well, we own the f- a few patents, <laughs> like the microwave. Um, and uh, I thought that that was a really fun way to just justify that. Um, but I, I want to tie this into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as I can because they, the way the Shield operates is it's very similar to how the Men in Black operate. I want to say that either Will Smith or Agent K are um, not Agent J, Will Smith, uh, Agent. <laughs> I that I my main headcanon is that Agent J or Agent K formed Shield um, or had some in, role in forming Shield. Um, I, I would make sense that Agent K would also like either be a consultant of Shield or like play a role in forming Shield just because um, of him being one of the founders of Men in Black. Because the interesting thing that they talk about in one of the little featurettes is that you know all the members in men in black they're they're kind of getting old now Um, a lot of them are retiring and bringing in you know will smith's character is like bringing in like a younger generation of uh members so i think it would be within their realm of possibility to bring in someone like nick fear like hey listen we handle all this stuff but we need someone else to kind of focus in on this division like because they are the defenders of the universe so the fact that shield would be formed from that i think is uh within the realm of possibility so that's that's my main tie i don't have any hard like direct ties so far but i think it exists in the same realm um and that at some point in time if we do tie them to the marvel cinematic universe that um that they aren't either active or that they relocated to like Nevada or something like the main base relocated to Nevada Mm. or something else where they wouldn't be as active in New York since shield does exist there. I could just see Tommy Lee Jones being like, who do you think tipped off Colson on Thor's hammer? Uh, uh, Yes. No, I think that's um, a pretty close connection too, especially when you look at the Netflix Marvel uh, series, it takes place in New York. Um, how they didn't come across Spider-Man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> fighting a giant cockroach, why don't you call in a spider? So, yeah, no, I think that fits. So for my headcanon, this was really difficult. I wanted to watch all three movies to get an appropriate headcanon, but I didn't do that. I just watched this movie. So you're going to have to act like two and three didn't necessarily exist. Didn't happen. The nice thing is, and I'm going to... Double, triple, may even, nay, quadruple down on the in-the-same-universe angle of headcanon that we frequent. Um, because the Neuralizer just makes that so possible. Also, having a room full of aliens makes that so possible. So, I'm going to try to paint a picture over a long stretch of time of when these movies could take place. Uh, Going all the way back to Star Wars, which you hinted at with the political drama, we know that E.T. exists in the Star Wars Galactic Senate. It became politically unstable, so it stands to reason that one of those E.T. aliens would uh, relocate, take a very long time, land on Earth. The events of E.T. happen with Elliot. He tries to go back home, but what we don't see is that he was not successful. So he has to take refuge by being processed through the MIB, like the Ellis Island equivalent of this. And so he is also going through there. There are a lot of ties online to that the, uh, the coffee aliens uh, very closely resemble E.T. So whether they're the same mm. species whether they are his children, um, you could tie in a lot of them. Although they are much more vocal than E.T. <laughs> is. Uh, man of few words, that E.T. Um, so that's that's one thread. The other thread is that this is Cloud Atlas scene, Agent J, to where he is a man who has had several um, partners in crime. 
or partners in fighting crime rather throughout the generations. Uh, the earliest one I can find is uh, probably Wild Wild West, where he was fighting uh, the giant uh, spider thing. Um, cards on the table. Didn't see Wild Wild West either. Okay, you caught me. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, he also uh, he repeats this in um, Hitch, where he teams up with Kevin James to fight... Um, not being cool. Um, <laughs> so you're saying kinda. that basically, like, if we were to Cloud Atlas, Will Smith, all of his movies mm-hmm. together, it's just, yeah. it all exists in a fluid timeline. That's pretty good. It's just Wild Wild West. It's Hitch. It's Men in Black. Uh, and then I think you jump into the future a little bit with some human evolution. You got Hancock, where you found out that oh, he, nice. he I, used to do that. Yeah. I thought you were going to go into After Earth. Ricky, <laughs> it's like you. I, I never go into after. <laughs> not Nobody many. Does. Not many do. Well, and then finally, the neuralizer is what makes it my favorite. Is that um, basically you have the events of Men in Black again? Don't know what happened in two and three. Uh, my parents still won't let me see them, and then. <laughs> The agency shuts down. There is still a threat happening in the world, um, but it's more of uh, humans are becoming the alien monsters now. And then you get I Am Legend, um, mm. but he doesn't remember why he's doing it. He's just he's compelled to do this. Um, before those events, though, you have Tommy Lee Jones, who he remembers, um, but wants to get out again. So he gets neuralized. Uh, but still gets to fight crime um, in uh, a movie I like to call No Country for Old Men in Black. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just skipped over Independence Day because it seemed too easy. So, Independence Day. Well, actually, my piece of head can ties directly into Independence Day. I'm sorry for calling it too easy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Will Smith, in both movies has a very specific skill that relates to aliens. Um, in my Smack head... Smack talking. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my head canon is that he is the same person from Men in, uh, from Independence Day. Um, I think it's because... I mean, the neuralizer, I think, of course, is the thing that like, just helps it so much. But I think that, you know, he had this whole life. He... Um, you know, he fought this alien invasion, a huge, large scale attack, um, with like two other people, like him and Jeff Goldblum, right? And mm-hmm. so I think that the Men in Black like came in because you know they their sector is largely in New York, and this all this whole attack happened in um, Washington D.C. Right? And I'm talking about Independence Day, um, and sure. so I think that after the events of Independence Day, that the Men in Black actually recruited him um but he doesn't know it and that like Mm. that he he was um like he basically like came to his house he was neuralized and they said you are an nypd officer and we and you need to move to new york um to get recruited and that was enough for him because we do not cover relocation (laughs) (laughs) uh and so that happened and then from there, he became that agent because, you know, the whole we, – we see how in Men in Black, Agent K has a life that he does miss and that he did miss. Um, but we don't see that at all with Jay. Um, Jay kind of has like the somewhat love interest story um, with the mortician. Uh and that's that's somewhat of an established relationship, but outside of that, he said, "Hey, I'm in." Like he didn't have to. He didn't have any friends to say goodbye to. He didn't have any loved ones to, to say goodbye to because he was put there intentionally um, because he mm. because he I think that, that he was scouting him out even before um, his partner retired because. You know, I think we're led to believe that this happened within a very short time of each other. Um, Tommy Lee Jones's partner 
um, being neuralized and retiring. Um, yeah. I, I, it would, it wouldn't be beyond the men in black to have him on like to, ha- for them to have been watching him for a while. Now, is it possible that, um, Will Smith was, or agent J was an alien himself that got neuralized and that's why he has no attachments. Interesting. And such an innate knowledge of alien culture. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I would make sense. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention the most compelling crossover. Um, you mentioned the they have a patent on microwave ovens. Uh, if you remember in 30 Rock, Rip Torn played uh, Don Geis, who one of his final um, charges for Jack Donaghy was to create a better microwave. They basically already owned the microwave. Wow. Just, wow. I have my jaw dropped. Uh, so now we're going to go into uh, our part of the show where we talk about recasts and remakes. If this movie, Men in Black, were to be made today, brand new, fresh out the box, um, what would the storyline be and who would you cast? Um, I think we both know who we would cast for Agent J, we're going to mm-hmm. say at the same time. Count of uh, three. Okay. One, two, three. Lamorne Lamor Morris. Morris. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he, he would be the absolute best. Like that moment in the uh, morgue where uh, <laughs> Kay pulls out the neuralizer and he doesn't even finish putting his, he doesn't even finish unfolding his sunglasses. He just holds it up to his face. He's like, hey, man. <laughs> Lamorne Morris all the way. I'm just like, yep. that's him. That is him right there. Oh my gosh. That would be the best. And honestly, Agent K, Josh Brolin, just because he's just. You just play him now. Right. <laughs> oh man. I would love. I mean, one of the greatest things about this movie is just the practical effects that they did. I That's one of the things I wouldn't change that I would kind of hate that they would do in uh, today's. If the movie were to be made today, they would just make them all CGI aliens. Um, yeah, that's and true. They just they I, watching the special feature on the deluxe DVD. Brag um, <laughs> is they were talking about how um, the alien in the desert that they caught at the border. Um, yeah. He like he was live action and he was like super friendly, um, but basically when they had then they saw that he had to run the the that was just outside of the capabilities of the suit, and so they had to make it CGI. Uh, like mm. that's like the only reason why they had that him turn into that. Um, yeah. And they also faced the interesting problem with um, him looking too friendly, and so like when he did start attacking, they had to add these different. Uh, features to him to make him look more sinister so that you didn't feel bad when he got blown bits <laughs> little yeah. bits like oh those jerks they killed that friendly alien uh, that actually reminds me um i forgot to mention earlier uh did you recognize the guy that um was driving them across the border yes so apparently john grease will only accept a role if his character gets to drive a van, um, whether it's in this movie, whether it's as Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, yep. or whether it's as Benjamin Linus's dad on The Lost Island, <laughs> he is a professional van driver. I'm starting to think John Grease actually like is a van driver that also acts on the side. He's like the guy, um, you know, Purd from uh, Parks and Rec? Yeah. Um that actor, Pert Happily, yeah. That actor only does news reporter roles, and he is an actual news reporter. Oh wow! Like he, he, uh, I, I said, reporter. That. He's cool. like a news anchor. He only does new, news anchor roles, and he actually is a news anchor. Your art is what you know. <laughs> yes, just gotta bring it. So that's why I think John Grease is a van driver. Oh my that gosh. also acts, and not the other way around. <laughs> All right, I'm just throwing it out here uh, since I brought Parks and Rec into the conversation. Um, Ron Swanson as Agent K. Uh, Ooh. And, and Lamorne and Morris still. I, I, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, Lamorne Morris still. Yes. I was thinking Aziz Ansari, but I, I have yet to imagine him um, take that official. 
authority. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. He wouldn't like back talk in their face. He would just be like, "No, no, 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 no! <laughs> oh, it's icky!" <laughs> oh yes. All right, everyone. Now we're going to go into our final segment of the podcast. Um, there's a solid chance that you won't remember it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not trying to neuralize you or anything. But this is just our reasons to recommend. If you remember this review. Um, so, Grayson, why would you recommend Men in Black? It still holds up. And I say that from the perspective of someone who didn't see it the first time. Um, it was still enjoyable. It was still really funny. Uh, it's Will Smith at his prime. It's Tommy Lee Jones, in my opinion, leading into his prime i love like the older tommy lee jones gets the better in my opinion um he's like wine or cheese or some other classically thing that gets better with age um men in black and oh there you go it's like men in, men in black is like men in black <laughs> but it really it's it's uh since it's so like suspension of disbelief you just have to go along for the ride and even knowing the spoilers in it uh, i was i was still entertained like i didn't feel like it was ruined because i knew what orion's belt was i just happened to notice as well like probably much earlier than i would have oh it says orion on the cat collar um like that that was really the only thing and so it's uh it's fun it's well written it's well performed um and ultimately at the end of the day it's a story of acceptance which i think we could all use a little more of so uh leave it to men in black to teach about uh how to get along (laughs) and apparently the solution to getting along is strangely bureaucracy still (laughs) Ah, i lost the moral just see men in black oh that's great I talked uh, myself yeah, I, out of my own moral. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, yeah, I would recommend seeing Men in Black because this movie is just so much fun. Um, it's interesting to see the the looking at this movie in the time period where alien movies and especially superhero movies weren't as commonplace. Um, and so I, I remember seeing Men in Black and thinking that this was like, such a new and original and really, really interesting concept because uh, the director um, said in the uh, deluxe DVD, uh, he talked about how what he really wanted to do in this movie is not make an alien movie about, oh, no, here comes the big aliens or like, oh, or like, oh, wow, it's an alien. Look at how new and exciting this is. Like he wanted the fact that they were aliens to play background to everything else. Like, he, he mm-hmm. wanted to focus on it being, like, we're basically making, like, a buddy cop film that just so happens to have aliens in it. And uh, that was so, just so cool, and I think that's what made this movie special. Uh, because I think that um, nowadays, that that wouldn't it would be reversed. It would be about, like, oh, look at how big, bad the aliens are, or look at how interesting or amazing the aliens are. Um, it it would like it just played it played that concept so real and so organically that like yeah aliens live among us um and this is this is just so this just so happens to be what we have to do um my favorite line mm-hmm. in the movie is when Tommy Lee Jones says um listen there's always an alien thing happening above us there is always something at risk and the only way that these people can get on with their lives is if they don't know and I love that so, so much. Like, that line was just so powerful, and it means so much to, like, what makes this movie so special because it was playing to how all these crazy things can happen just, like, right under our nose, and it's just so fun. It's it's a refreshing um, buddy cop and alien genre movie. So I recommend it for that. Uh, and like you said, the movie has just the, one of the best messages of acceptance uh and i'll share one last quote because it's one of my favorite quotes that uh he has said that tommy lee jones has said in the movie it's when uh jay says people are smart they can handle it and Kay says a person is smart people are dumb panicky dangerous animals and you know it 1500 years ago everybody knew the earth 
was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everyone knew Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew humans were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. I'm just like, ah, that's so good. Right? It's just so good. Like, it, it opens itself up to expand. even, And I think that's what made the sequel um, such a... Um, an easy move to make because they, they established such a rich world. Like the animated series, like we said, is there, but they could easily do like a live action series of um, the men in black. Like they just call it the men in black and it follows different agents. Or you could combine it with like the format of 24 and just call it JK all day. <laughs> yeah, that <did> it. <laughs> And that is our review of the 1997 Men in Black. Let us know what you remember about the Men in Black on Twitter and Instagram. In both places, we are at Flashback Flicks. Um, and also, it would help the show out so very much if you could leave us a review on iTunes. You open up the uh, podcast app, search for us, search for Flashback Flicks, and then click on it, leave us a review. And it helps everyone to know that this is the podcast worth listening to. And it helps those who have been neuralized to remember that this is the one that they want to be listening to. Uh, Leave us a review telling us on a scale of A to Z, um, (laughs) what did you think? No, I like it. Normally, I offer a secondary rating system, but I'm not going to this time because I like A to Z. <laughs> yeah, just say Agent A or Agent Z, and we'll figure out, like, just from A to Z, we'll figure out what the rating means. I like that it's a scale of 26 points that we then have to convert to a scale of 100 just to get an accurate metric. <laughs> get your abacus out, boys and girls. It's going to be a fun time in the ratings. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. All right. Uh, is it time to start recording for the podcast? No! I've been neuralized! <laughs>